Thank you for setting your podcast dial to 14th and G. I'm your host, Dean Hinkson, coming to you from the offices of Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas in a Washington winter of discontent. It's a tale told in three magic numbers, two, seven, and 33. That's two senators short of passing the president's Build Back Better social spending bill, a 7% increase in the consumer price index inflation measure, a 40-year record, and 33. That's the percentage of Americans who approve of the job President Biden is currently doing. Add in pandemic fatigue, exhaustion, weariness, lethargy, and lassitude, but just plain fed up with it all. It's a real witch's brew for this newly convened second session of the 117th Congress to confront. I can't stir this cauldron all by myself, so I'm pleased to have my fellow pot stirrers here at the firm join me once again, Republican Bruce Melman and Democrat David Thomas, as we cover 2022 in 22 minutes. Bruce, David, welcome to 14th and G. I am not a witch. I'm a fan of your uh, thesaurus, Dean. That's a uh, that's a good word of the day. Maybe that should be a, a feature going forward here. Dean Hinkson's word of the day. Well, I started to say pandemic fatigue, and I there is just there's got to be another word or twelve for it. Probably sums it up best. David, I'm gonna start with you. How far? I, off I was ra- I was afraid you were gonna start with me with that lead in. Oof. Okay, <laughs> well, what are we gonna talk about first, Dean? <laughs> your guy. How far off the rails is the Biden administration? Because the voters' list of concerns is inflation, pandemic, and the economy, but the president is laser focused on reforming the Senate rules. I uh, I disagree with the premise of your question. Uh, how far are we off the rails? I don't think we're off the rails here. The president is the presidency is a big job. Remain calm. All is well. The president, Kevin Bacon, as you recall from our uh, last discussion, uh, the president got a lot done last year. He is now into 2022 and he's on to the next issues that he wants uh, to confront here. He and Senator Schumer and and really such a a huge part of the Democratic base are, are very concerned about the state of voting rights in this country. So that's the issue they're tackling this week up in the Senate. The president is uh, up meeting with the Senate Democrats as we speak here uh, to make another pitch, sort of building on the speech that he gave in Atlanta. So look, that's that's the issue they're trying to tackle this week. We can get into specifics on how we think that plays out here. But uh, look, the president has been focused on a couple of things since he got sworn in, and he's going to remain on that. It's the economy and it's the uh, recovering uh, from COVID and uh uh, sort of get, getting uh, that back on track. So I think that is what he continues to focus on. Uh, I am I am not Kevin Bacon saying all is well. I think this is the next step in the process and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next. I, I think, Dean, they've ordered a, a, a venti coffee in a grande cup. And uh, what's spilled on the floor is the kind of the, the more progressive agenda that I'd argue wasn't the mandate, wasn't what voters wanted, and isn't what Senators Manchin or uh, Cinema are willing to back. That's what's not getting done. Had they had realistic expectations across their base, uh, I think there'd be a, a better sense of uh, where they are and where they've been and where they're going on the Dem side. Yeah, because I mean, the president was in Georgia this week. He was down in Atlanta. He gave this uh, sort of a paint scorching speech. Uh, you're either with him or you're the second coming of George Wallace and Bull Connor. That's his framing. He's trying to use the bully pulpit. Now, I'm going to I'm going to give you my unpopular opinion here. But one of the things that 
President Trump at least did well, I think, was this use of the bully pulpit. Why aren't we holding some of, you know, who makes the, who makes these tests that we can't get a hold of? Holding these people up and standing up to the president, isn't there a different way for him to use the bully pulpit here and, and try to get things done that people really care about? Uh, I, for one, am glad that uh, President Biden is not taking cues from President Trump on how to communicate. Uh, frankly, I think the country's <laughs> had enough of uh, that kind of uh, communication here. Uh, since you brought it up, I, I'll say, Dean, I, I think it was uh, a little bit laughable. Maybe that's the best way to, the nicest way to put it here, that Senator McConnell uh, came out after the speech and saying uh, that President Biden was acting unpresidential. Compared to the most Recent president? Yes, he was not acting like Donald Trump. He was acting the way presidents are, which is setting a big agenda, making big goals, and uh, you know, and pushing the country uh, forward. Here, is this a, an easy thing that he's going to do? No, because in a fifty-fifty Senate, you know, every man or woman a king. Look, he's given it the old college try, and why? Because voting rights are really important, and a lot of stuff that's going on in the states is really detrimental to people's right to vote. And so, uh, you know, he's going to continue to try and push here, and we're going to we're going to see what happens here. It's it's awfully tough to get anything through the Senate. Well, look, I will I want to object to the other premise of the question, Dean, the idea that if he used the bully pulpit, he could hold people accountable for the tests. I think the answer there is look in the mirror. You know, when in 2020, running against uh, the Trump administration, uh, the the uh, senior team again and again said the problem is we haven't fixed testing. They've been in a year. They didn't fix testing and that they're surprised by the Omicron suggests you didn't watch South Africa. You didn't watch UK and you haven't studied uh, the history of pandemics, which we know that they have studied. Uh, if anything, it seems to me the problem here again is they're, uh, they're they're trying to do everything for everybody and they keep breaking their pick on the very edge of the progressive agenda, and that's preventing them from keeping their energies focused on things like fixing testing. Well, Bruce, you used a coffee analogy. I will use an agricultural analogy of trying to put 100 pounds of manure into a 50-pound sack. Uh, the Senate this week or next week, they're going to take up votes on, on changing the rules, changing the filibuster rule to allow uh, a simple majority vote on voting rights reform, uh, which uh, both votes are almost certain to fail. So these are these are messaging votes, show votes, however you want to frame it. But this Congress has got a lot in front of it, and uh, we can we can tick them off one by one. But let's look at where we stand here at the beginning of the year. The president's uh, signature initiative, the Build Back Better that I referenced at the start of the program, stuck in the mud, still a couple of senators short, uh, specifically Senator Manchin, Senator Cinema. You've got a China relations bill, the USICA bill that seems to be getting a little more movement in the House. Uh, appropriations expire in a little over a month. The government's currently running on a continuing resolution, sort of autopilot for government funding. Uh, lots of, you know, lots of small ball sort of stuff, uh, expiring provisions like flood insurance that they're going to have to deal with in some form or fashion. There's, there's dozens of those over the next, uh, over the next six months. Where does this Congress go once the show votes of what we're dealing with now get passed? Uh, I'm happy to start on this. Uh, number one, uh, it's uh, China. Uh, one of the few areas of bipartisan agreement are concerns about China. Obviously, the Olympics start at the end of this month, we think. Uh, I guess Omicron allowing a, uh, a zero COVID country that it's hard to do zero COVID amid Omicron. Uh, there are concerns about big tech. We're going to see 
efforts in antitrust. We're going to see efforts in uh, child ch protecting children online um, at the uh, at the federal level. Uh, third, there'll be oversight, uh, lots of oversight. Dems may or may not be giving up the gavels in the Senate like they will be in the House, but overseeing industry. There ought to be ability to do some bipartisan oversight on the pandemic, what went wrong and how to avoid it the next time. You know, I remain a bipartisan fantasist, I suppose, but I still think things like the Electoral Counting Act, uh, things like, you know, the, the uh, uh, pandemic supplies and use of Defense Production Act, they're real opportunities to fix things that aren't right. Uh, if folks can can maybe stop tweeting for a sec. Yeah, it sounds like specifically on the uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. China Innovation Act, uh, that's the that that is a bipartisan bill that got out of the Senate. The, the House has their own version. They're trying to get together on a conference committee here, but the House really has to get their own full product together here before they can conference the bill. Uh, we've seen some movement this week that some of the committees are getting their pieces together. That looks like something that may have some legs here in the next quarter or two of this year. Yeah, I think that's right, Dean. I think it, it does. Uh, my understanding is the speaker has uh, spoken with her relevant committee uh, chairman to uh, uh, move this process forward here. You know, it was a big uh, priority for Senator Schumer last year, but uh, I, I do think that's something that gets done and gets done uh, likely in the early part of this year. So that uh, will be another bipartisan victory on an important issue. Although the risk there, and I'm I'm praying, DT, you're totally right. The risks are first on the left, that the progressive wing, unhappy that this is a Schumer priority and that things have been stuck in the Senate that they care about. Uh, they feel a little bit like they got bait and switched on the infrastructure for BBB deal. Um, and so Pelosi may or may not be able to count on every Democratic vote and the worry is she may have to count on all or most Democratic votes, because as we saw with infrastructure, things that are obvious and bipartisan um, still frequently lack for Republican votes among Republicans who support the underlying measure as a result of partisan leadership efforts to try to deny wins for the administration. Pelosi has to date managed to find just enough Dems um, and enough R's are willing to do what they think is the right policy, as we saw with infrastructure to squeak by, but uh, they're, you know, for what I think on, on uh, in isolation is policy with large bipartisan majorities might still run in between the, uh, the partisan rocks of, of a really pissed off progressive wing and a, uh, and a eyes on the November, 2022 uh, Republican leadership. Uh, look, we, we've, I've said this a hundred times here. I'm a broken record on it. Uh, Speaker Pelosi knows how to count votes. When she leans in on something, she gets it done. You, the one place you are right is she's not counting on Republican supports here. The policies don't matter at this point for for uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he is going to be against everything. That is sort of what you do when you're in the uh, minority in the House of Representatives and you have no power and you're hoping to uh, get power. But uh, she's not counting on a lot of Republican votes here, even if it is the right thing to do. Well, there may be more Republican votes coming. Uh, that may be in the next Congress. We're now in the midterm election year, 2022. Uh, Democrats are closing in on 30 retirements uh, in the House, uh, everyone from senior chairman to once rising stars, about a dozen Republican retirements announced so far. So so a bit of an imbalance there. But you throw in the uh, you throw in the president's standing on the issues, particularly in red to purple districts where Democrats have to hold the line for their majority. 
it ain't looking good for the House. Flip over to the Senate where where, Demo- where Republicans need to net one gain to get the majority back. And they got a little wind in their sails this week when uh, Senator Johnson announced he's running for re-election in Wisconsin. Senator Grassley is back in for re-election in Iowa. And uh, probably the biggest one, the biggest question mark that was hanging out there, Senator Thune, number two in leadership for Senate Republicans, is going to run for re-election in South Dakota. Where do you guys see it? Can, <laughs> can you do an all as well on, on the House majority, David? I guess the great resignation has come to the House of Representatives as well. <laughs> uh, boy, oof. I don't I, I don't like to check Twitter because I'm worried about who's going to retire next. Uh, uh, look, that, well, they, they, they're likely to be a couple more retirements here. And uh, that's not uh, terribly surprising, although I, I sure am sorry to see some of the you know really strong members um, uh, hang it up. Uh, so look, that's that's the biggest challenge I think that Democrats have. As it turns out, it's not going to be redistricting, which I think is is looking to be more of a wash than anything else. Uh, you know, districts or, or members uh, seeing Ed Perlmutter retire this week, who uh, really has just been a, a strong member in the financial services space, moderate, you know, just great member. That's a district that Democrats probably hold. But it's now one that they really have to pay closer attention to. So that's a challenge going forward here. Uh, agree with your assessments on the Senate. I think that Senator Thune um, uh, announcing he's running again. You know, he he's a possible future leader in the Republicans. Not so sure. I agree with you on Senator Johnson. That will be a race that Democrats are going to contest. That is a uh, a uh, right to uh, pick up here because Senator Johnson, you know, ran originally as sort of this uh, tell it like it is business guy. Uh, he has gone full MAGA Trump. And that's uh, a kind of candidate that we're uh, itching to take on. Hey, I, th- I think this is Russ Feingold's year. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the 70 year old uh, been there forever Democrat year. Uh, so, look, DT, the, uh, the as you know, I, I, the- I'm sorry, Bruce, were you talking about Senator Grassley? Because that's the guy who's been there forever. No, that was Grassley last decade. DT, come on. <laughs> uh, look, for, for Dems, it's it's threading an uh, eye of a needle, but. One could envision the Supreme Court ending Roe v. Wade, causing a, a, uh, a level of engagement in an off year by the party holding the White House that wouldn't be expected. Um, I'm hoping there is a COVID relief uh, rally of sentiment. I'm really hoping that Omicron is, if not the last variant, the last big freakout, and that by the spring and by the summer, we're all going to be feeling pretty optimistic. We saw that in 21 before Delta came. So I think that'll benefit the administration. Um, and look, the Fed could engineer a soft landing on the economy, which in many aspects remains hot. It's corporate profits are 50 year high. The challenge is the list what Republicans are going to run on. Crime is at uh, multi-decade high level. The border is at multi-decade problematic level. Inflation highest in 40 years. Afghanistan, you cluster getting out of. You know, COVID management, a lot to criticize. The COVID culture wars. You know, are you with the teachers unions or with the parents? Um, and uh, experienced Dems have blown that question in recent history. Yeah, no, I, I always know when Melman's got a list. And, uh, you know, that is one that he had uh, uh, worked on last night here to tell me everything that is going wrong. Bruce, I think of you as an optimist here. And uh, uh, look, Joe Biden's going to be judged by how the economy is doing and where we are in COVID. Let's hope for the good of the world that uh, the Omicron uh, variant uh, drops down as quickly as it came. If that happens and, and we're finally, you know, two plus years in get, getting ahead of this thing, boy, that'd be a relief. 
And then on, on the economy, yeah, there, there are some very good signs. Inflation is troubling. But look, we'll, uh, we'll see where we are in November. There is time for the, the president to turn this around. You know, presidents always have trouble in their first midterms. Uh, certainly Democratic presidents do. But I think he's got a lot to brag about. And I hope we get to a point where uh, the communications uh, team can get the word out. Well, it looks like the uh, the State of the Union is set for March 1st. I believe this is the first ever State of the Union as late as March. Uh, I look back and I've seen a few in mid to late February, but I, I have not seen any in March. I think the president is trying to give himself enough runway here. He wants to walk into that House chamber uh, with some sort of a deal in hand on Build Back Better. Uh, we've talked a little bit about where that is. Obviously, Senator Manchin seems to be in the same place and Senator Sinema seem to be in the same place they've always been. This is a huge, enormous bill on the tax front, uh, on, on the spending front, on the social safety net. Uh, any of these provisions you see getting broken out into smaller individual bills that Democrats might attempt in reconciliation, or is this all or nothing at this point? Uh, it's definitely not all or nothing. I think the all or nothing ended uh, last year right before the holidays when, when Senator Manchin said he was no. But I remain optimistic here. I think there's a lot of space to come back to the table. I've heard Senator Manchin say uh, that there uh, are a lot of things he likes in the bill uh, and a lot of Democratic priorities that he likes in the bill. They really haven't had any substantive negotiations uh, since the holidays. I think it was an important break. Everybody needed a break after the year we've had. You know, They will work through this voting rights stuff in the Senate uh, this week and into the weekend. And then I think we're going to turn back to it because it does remain the president's top legislative priority. Uh, there's really uh, no discussion uh, that I'm aware of in the, in the House or Senate about trying to, okay, well, now maybe we can move some smaller you know, independent bills and maybe try to do things that way. Uh, so I, I think they'll dive back in. You know, the president is going to have to, um, you know, sort of put his you know, long D.C. tenure and experience to work here to try to, to figure out what that sweet spot is uh, that, that can get the support of Senator Manchin, Senator Cinema, and then, uh, uh, you know, bust it, get it back through in the House here. But I, I think get done. I think it it's possible to also get it done by the State of the Union. Boy, everything has to go right. But in election year, you really don't want these things hanging out as you get towards the summertime. Although there's also the lame duck, uh, you know, FY23 could have its own reconciliation. I, I agree with DT on the theory of the case. My, my guess is they don't get a build back better bill done. Um, but you could also envision ongoing work through the year with, a, with some folks eyeing a lame duck um, with all of the sturm and drung that would bring. Well, well if it, 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 you know what, if this is a lame duck, that would be tough to run on for all these members. Uh, they've invested a lot in this. I think there's going to be a huge push to try to get, uh, uh, you know, sort of have this phoenix rise from the ashes here and get something done uh, in the spring here so uh, members can go home and, and uh, really. But are it. the frontline members, DT, saying what we need is more taxes and spending? Or is that the folks who actually don't have reelection challenges? No, that's what the challengers are saying is, uh, oh, it's tax and spend Democrats here. I think what they what what the members want to go home and talk about is the, the things that they've accomplished, particularly after a, uh, you know, a very rough and tumble four years proceeding here, making government function again is, is I think what they're trying to get here. And that's, you know, showing the benefits here, whether it's whether it's on taxes, healthcare, uh, the climate, these are things that, that, that Democrats care about that they run on. Uh, there's something there, uh, you know, a little something for everybody. Yeah, I think most Democrats would view passing a lame duck reconciliation bill a bit like firing Donald Rumsfeld on the Wednesday after Election <laughs> Day. 
a lot of help that was. Probably the biggest thing Congress has got to get done here at some point this year. We mentioned it before, but government funding runs out in a little over a month. Uh, we're on a continuing resolution right now. We're well into the fiscal year. It seems like some bills like Homeland Security appropriations are just going to continue on autopilot. The immigration stuff is too difficult uh, to navigate in appropriations, but don't see a lot of movement here on the individual appropriations bills. The government's funded uh, by 12 individual appropriations bills that cover everything from defense to energy and water. You guys see any movement on this front to get an omnibus together or to at least pass some of these individual bills through the Congress? Uh, individual bills, probably not, Dean, but I think the, uh, some some omnibuses or minibuses, all the, the the funny vocabulary that's grown up around in the appropriations process. But I, I think I think that's what's the most likely thing here. Can it get done by mid-February when the next CR expires? Probably not. It seems like that would be a pretty tough putt. But I do know that the uh, that the chairs, the ranking members on the Appropriations Committee in the House and Senate are talking. They're talking to leadership. Uh, these things, when they come together, they tend to come together pretty quickly. Um, there, there's incentive on both sides uh, to to try to get these deals done. You know, operating under a year long CR is not ideal for anybody. And also, uh, you know, Senator Shelby, longtime appropriator, is uh, is retiring, and uh, so this is his last bite of the apple to bring uh, bring more bacon down to. Uh, down to Alabama. And after <laughs> Alabama uh, got their butts kicked by Georgia this week, they need something to look forward to too. Well, let's hope it all comes together. Let's hope this winter does a little bit of a thaw. Uh, we will reconvene again to cover 2022 in 22 minutes. You can subscribe to us on iHeart, iTunes, and Spotify. Please do. Thanks for listening to 14th and G. And Bruce, David, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Dean. Thank you, Dean. 